Well, good evening, everybody. Thank you for joining us here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center as we continue our Bible study tonight on the new you and the Holy Spirit from Andrew Womack. And so, this, my name is Dave Everett. This is my wife, Sherry. So, anyway, thank you for joining us tonight. So, we're going to be continuing in our, in our Bible study on the new you and the Holy Spirit. And if I recall right, we're on the very end of chapter... I forget the name of the chapter. Actually, we're right at the uh, beginning of chapter 4. This this book is actually two books in one. The first part is about the new you. The second part about the Holy Spirit. But even the first section is breaking up into two sections. So in one way, we have three sections in this book. So we're starting uh, the, the second half of the first half, <laughs> if I can even, even, that even makes sense to you. But anyway, uh, here we are. So we're going to read the introduction, we're going to start with the introduction of uh, this uh, first half called Loving God, and then we're going to be talking about being baptized. So we're talking about, again, uh, here in the first half of the book, we're talking about the new you. So in many ways, this would be a new believers class for many people, but at the same point in time, even as us as our veterans, if I can use that term, uh, we need to be reminded who we are. Now, let me just mention this before we get started. We have all of our videos uh, for all of our Bible studies, including this one, uh, archived on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org. There's a couple of different ways you can get there. You can just simply go to our Bible classes page, scroll down just a little bit, and you'll see all of our, our Bible studies that we have, and we have all the videos grouped together there. And so... Um, and then we also have on our YouTube channel at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. Uh, we have a YouTube channel. We have over uh, uh, now it's over 1,600 uh, uh, followers on that channel. So anyway, uh, but they're all grouped together by playlists. And then we even have some uh, audio, just audio only, no visual, uh, on Spotify. We're on a couple other uh, uh, podcast platforms, including Apple. Uh, and Google Play, uh, we can find us through that those means as well. So anyway, uh, there's a lot of different ways you can find archive uh, or listen to all of our previous sessions up to this point. So anyway, without all the advertisement, we're going to go ahead and jump into the the book today uh, from the New Year and the Holy Spirit by Andrew Womack. We're starting with the beginning of chapter four. There's an introduction just before chapter four on page 29. That's where we're going to. Well, that's where we're going to kick it off tonight. So, uh, Sherry will narrate, she'll read for us, and then uh, we'll get started. Um, so, I just want to go ahead and read that, uh, Loving God, and then go ahead and read the first section. Okay. Now that you're born again, what's next? God wants to establish some new patterns in your life. By taking the following first steps with Him, you'll lay a solid foundation for a growing relationship. God's love for you won't change whether you do these things or not, but your love for him will definitely be affected. You've been given the gift of a brand new life, full of untold potential that's just waiting to be developed. Why settle for anything less than your divine destiny? Fall deeply in love with God. He's worth it. Every born-again believer should be baptized in water. This isn't in order to be saved, but rather because you've been saved. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? 
Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Romans 6, 3 and 4. Water baptism is an act of obedience to God's word, symbolizing your baptism into the body of Christ. You are immediately placed into the universal church upon your salvation. As a believer in Christ Jesus, you become part of his eternal body. There is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. You became a part of every believer who has ever believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter if they go to your local church or if they believe exactly the same as you or not. You've been united with all the other believers in the body of Christ. God's word commands you to be baptized in water. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Mark 16, 15, and 16. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Matthew 28, 19. Numerous examples from the book of Acts show how the early church spread the gospel and obeyed this command. On the day of Pentecost, those who were saved were water baptized, Acts 2, 41. Philip water baptized the Ethiopian eunuch and the new converts in Samaria, Acts 8. Thus, the scriptural pattern given for us to follow today is baptism of new believers by immersion in water. Being baptized as a child in a religious system where they sprinkled you with water is not sufficient. Also, you weren't scripturally baptized if it was done prior to your true conversion. For example, as an infant or a young child. The Bible makes it very clear that faith in Jesus is a prerequisite to water baptism. Acts 8, 36 and 37. You must believe first and then be baptized. Okay, we're going to pause here just for a second. This is a short chapter, uh, but at the same point in time, uh, let me just uh, bring us up to speed of what we've done so far. Um, that little introduction there just about loving God. You know, now that we've, we've, we've laid some foundation of being born again, uh, basically you hear the gospel, believe the gospel, and you're saved. That's it in the simplest form. The key is that you hear the gospel and you believe it. It's not just hearing it. And it's not just believing. What are you believing? You gotta believe the gospel. You got and what's the gospel that he died? Basically, his death, burial, and resurrection. It's a little more than that, but in simplest form, is that he died for your sins and he rose again. You have to hear that, and you have to believe it. Uh, you know, you have to have some knowledge of what that means. Uh, you might not understand it completely, but you have to have some knowledge of that. You have to believe it. Just because you hear it, just because you... Uh, 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 hearing it is not enough. But you can't believe something you haven't heard. And so um, you need to hear it and believe it. Well, now once you've done that, and now once you are born again, there's some things that God wants us to do. Yes, we do it in obedience to Him. Yes, 
we call them ordinances in our churches. But doing it in obedience is not what saves you. What saves you is hearing the gospel and believing you. But in response to being born again, there are some responses we should do. And baptism is one of those things. One example I give, and I know I don't know what some of you live, are living living in different countries, so I don't know what the how it's done in your country. But here in America, it, you know, we legally got bat- married legally through the court. <laughs> I mean, uh, we didn't go down to the courthouse uh, and sign the, the marriage certificate. The, the pastor, the clergy, brought it to us. But at the same point in time, we had a ceremony. We had a wedding ceremony. You know, we, a lot of people have gotten what we call elope and just go down to the courthouse with a witness and sign. And you can be legally be married from a civil point of view. But the ceremony is more memorable. The, the water, we're going to begin to water baptism here. And water baptism is just an outward expression that's already taking place in the heart. I won't baptize somebody if I don't first hear that they uh, are born again. What am I listening for? I'm not listening that they recited a prayer. Why is that? And some people come to me, why is that a prayer? Well, okay, that's great. What did you pray? <laughs> I'm not, and I'm, I'm not, it's, it's not a trick question. I want, but what I'm hearing is that they believe the gospel, and they heard the gospel and believe it. I want to make sure that they, they believe that God, Christ died for their sins. I want them to hear and believe that Christ rose from the dead. I'm not looking for them just to recite that. You can recite something and not believe it. <laughs> the key is that they believe it. And I'm not even looking that they understand it all. I'm looking for a little, a little bit of understanding. You know, the parable of the seed talks about the seed that falls on four different kinds of soil. All four soils heard the word of God. But only the, the soil fell on the good soil heard it and understood it. There has to be some form of understanding. Okay? And this whole little introduction about loving God. We love because he first loved us. How do we know he loved us? Well, John says in 1 John 4.10, he says, This is love, not that you love him, but that he loved you and became the propitiation for your sins. Propitiation, that's a fancy word. It just means that he was your substitute. This is love. John just spells it out. This is love. Love is not that you love God. Love is that he loved you and he died for you. That's love. And you can't love God. You can't love yourself. You can't love others like you should. You can't love your spouse. You can't love your kids like you should. You can't to a certain level, but you can't like you should without first knowing that God loves you. So in one sense of the word, and I heard this from a pastor that we really like, Arthur Minchins, God's not so concerned that he, you love him. And some people think, by saying that, Dave, you've lost it. God's not so concerned that you love him. He's more concerned that you know that he loves you. And when you know that he loves you, in response, you're going to love him. And you're going to love others. But if you don't, you don't understand, until you understand how much he loves you, you can't love him like you should. And if you are loving him without understanding he loves you, there's no purpose in that. It doesn't avail anything. You know, it's not based on your goodness and loving him. 
It's based on His goodness and loving you. Now, in response to that, you got to love Him back. But it's going to be a response. It's the fruit. It's not the source. Okay? Now, baptism, let's get into this a little bit. There's some key verses here that he talks about. And, you know, baptism can be very, uh, here in the West, it's not as, I'm trying to think of the right word I want to use, but it's not emphasized probably enough. In some countries, you can be martyred because you were baptized. In some, in some countries, it's a capital offense to be baptized into the church because of their belief system or whatever it is. Here in the West, we don't, we're not finding that, at least not yet. And so, baptism is, is crucial. But one of the key things, I, again, I always look for is that they are, are already believers. The, the prerequisite to baptism is you need to be born again. Baptism doesn't make you born again. Baptism is obedience to God, but it, is a symbol, it symbolizes what already took place. I think it's essential. See, in the early church, especially in the book of Acts, they heard the gospel, believed the gospel, and were saved. I left out an ingredient whenever I, I talked about that. They heard the gospel, believed the gospel, and were baptized. They heard the gospel, believed the gospel, and were baptized. There's over eight or nine specific accounts in the book of Acts. You'll see that pattern every time. It was never diverted. It was never a different pattern. It was always they heard the gospel, believed the gospel, and were baptized. They never were baptized before they believed the gospel. They were never baptized before they heard the gospel. They were all, but they also were never not baptized. They always heard the gospel, believed the gospel, and were baptized. You'll find that every single time. So if that's the pattern that Scripture, the New Testament Scripture gives us, why would we want to change it? What's the need for changing it? Why, why do you think some other method, sprinkling infant baptism, is more important or should be added to the pattern that's already laid out in Scripture. The word baptismo in the Greek means to emerge. When you emerge something, you're not sprinkling it. We are immersed into Christ. From a marital point of view, Sherry, the wife, is, becomes one flesh with her husband. It says in Ephesians 5, Verse 31, that we're, we're one flesh with Christ. You, get, you, don't get, you don't get emerged in something by sprinkling it. <laughs> you know, there's sometimes where we get a splash with some water. That's not baptism. That, 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 that doesn't even fit the word. It's not, it, it, you know, it's, it, 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 baptism represents that we were crucified with Christ. We were buried with him in baptism. And we were raised together in newness of life. You can't be buried in a sprinkle. <laughs> you're buried in water. Is, the, the water is symbolizing that you're buried with Christ. You don't bury someone by sprinkling some dirt on them. No, you bury them. Six feet under or whatnot, you know. I'm not trying to be too graphic. But it's symbolizing that. You can't symbolize someone being buried when you sprinkle them. Also, in a lot, a lot of churches celebrate infant baptism. Uh-uh. You, you won't find that in Scripture. Yes, yes, there was a dedication of Jesus and, uh, uh, by uh, Simon and whatnot, but that's a dedication. That's not baptism. And, and so, uh, um, a child, an infant, 
I'm not saying a child can't be baptized, but they have to be, uh, they have to understand, hear, hear the gospel, believe the gospel. They have to be able to reason that. And so, it, it, if you got baptized as a child or an infant or because your parents had it, but you didn't have any, any belief, then in one sense, you just got wet. And so, I'm not trying to be insensitive. I'm not trying to be mean. And some people, that can be very offensive to. That's not my intention. But baptism, if we're going to follow Scripture, then we have to hear the gospel, believe the gospel, and are baptized. And a baptism is all, and Andrew brings this out, is about also being baptized into the church. We're one body. There's one baptism. There's one Christ. Just as we are one flesh with Christ, we are the body of Christ. And we are, the Bible talks about this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. We are, we are knitted together. And when we're knitted together, we are, Jesus even prayed this in John chapter 17. Lord, I pray that they would be one as you and I are one. Jesus, let me say that. Jesus prayed that, that we would be one as Jesus and the Father are one so that the world will know that you sent me. One of our greatest evangelisms to the world is that we love one another. Jesus said it also before in John 15, that uh, I think it's 15 or 13. And it's in the same context, really. And he says, uh, this is how the world would... Uh, uh, sorry, it's on the tip of my tongue. But you have... You would know you are my disciples by your love for one another. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry. Um, that's what I wanted to say, but she, <laughs> she, she bailed me out. Our love for one another is our greatest evangelism to the world. You're not going to win the world by hating him. You're not going to hate the win the world by having a demonstration against them or ostracizing them or judging them. You're going to love them by loving one another. And we do a disservice to the world when we say God loves you, but I won't love you. We do a disservice when, when, when we are fighting in the church as, as siblings. Just like siblings can rag on each other and fight. But sometimes siblings can get uh, fight like Esau and Jacob and they split and they hate each other for the rest of their lives. Some people do that in the church too. The church should be one of the safest places this is to be. And I'm getting on a different subject, but I'm, I'm trying to tie this into baptism. We are being baptized into Christ, but we are also being baptized into the family of God. This is a family. God is our father, and we are his brothers, we are uh, his children. I have no business fighting with the family of God. I mean, I can bring out a lot of scriptures. Uh, uh, it says in, in Genesis chapter uh, 12, I think it is, that uh, uh, he, he will bless those who bless you and will curse those who curse you. When you are fighting with one another in the body of Christ, you're actually cursing yourself. According to Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. Because he says, he will bless those who bless you and he'll curse those who curse you. And so, uh, that person doesn't have to curse him and that person shouldn't curse you. But it's dangerous to be fighting with the body of Christ. Uh, um, Galatians also says as Paul says in Galatians that we are to do good to all people especially to those in the family of believers and so this is not a, 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 a lesson on the body of Christ 
But when we are in Christ, when we are baptized into Christ, we are also being baptized as a family. And, and so uh, that, that's, it's, it's just part of the subject. And as a new believer, water baptism is very powerful. I've seen many people get saved, filled with the Holy Spirit in a baptismal ceremony. I've seen a lot of people, you know, we have, we've had baptism services before where we've had it and then we give an altar call. Or give a response, and people get saved, and they just go ahead and get in the water too, and get baptized right then and there. Well, it's been very powerful. But at the same point in time, sorry, I lost my train of thought. As a new, yeah, I, I get it. As a new believer, you need to be part of the body. If you're going to grow and you're going to be mature as a healthy Christian, you need to be immersed into the body. You need to be part of the body of Christ. It is dangerous to try to live this Christian life. On your own, isolated from the body of Christ, just like a lion will isolate the weakest ones in the pack, so and he'll attack the the, the lion. Or, uh, the lion will attack the weakest. If you isolate yourself, you are just making yourself a prey for the enemy. Isolation is dangerous, and so even though the, the, the we're not so much talking about the body of Christ, it is an emphasis. As we're, as we're talking about the new you. And you need to be a part of a body that is healthy. A body of Christ that believes and is like-minded. You might go to other churches, that might be okay. But as a new believer, I don't encourage that. Because if you are not established in who you are in Christ, and you go to a church that doesn't teach well, doesn't teach the truth, then they can mislead you down the wrong path. And that's not healthy. But for a strong believer, you might be able to, to, to do that. But we need to have healthy, good, like-minded fellowships. I know with COVID and sometimes some of our living situations, that can be quite challenging. But there are still ways. If you want something, you can get it. And there are still ways. If the underground church in some countries like China and whatnot can thrive as a body of Christ, we can even amid COVID, even amid all of it and else. There's ways that we can connect with people. We might have to be innovative. We might have to get out of our comfort zone. God forbid you get uncomfortable. And so, sometimes we have to get out of our comfort zone. Because being part of the body is not just about you. It's for you. But when you are part of a body, they encourage you, but you also encourage them. If you're going to a church just what you can get out of it, but you're never putting anything into it, that's kind of selfish. And so in a marriage, in any relationship, it's a two-way road. And in the body of Christ, it's no different. You might not be a pastor. You might not be a, a deacon or a leader. But when you, are, when you miss, you are missed. We all bring a part to play. And not only do you need the body of Christ, but they, the body of Christ, needs you. And if you think you're not significant, well, you need to learn afresh the new you. You are a child of God. You have the Holy Spirit. And different things we're going to be talking about. Uh, but you need the body of Christ. And the body of Christ needs you. You need your pastor. And your pastor, believe it or not, needs you. You know, you're, you know, a lot of times we put our pastors on a pedestal, but they are human too. They need fellowship too. They need friends. You know, I know a lot of pastors are very lonely. 
They're always giving out, but they're never receiving. And 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 and, and you know, there's different ways for us pastors to get fellowship too. But the pastor is just only one part of the body. Just like my hand, my head, my heart is only one part of my body. I want the whole thing. I don't want just a brain. I want arms and legs too. I want everything. If I stub my toe, it hurts. I mean, there's nobody insignificant. And those who think they're insignificant can't. goes back to this introduction that we have. They don't know the love of God. Because if you think you're insignificant, or you think someone else in the body of Christ is insignificant, you don't understand God's love. Because for God to love the world that he gave his only... God, thought, God thought you were worth dying for. And God thought your brother and sister in Christ was worth dying for. Even that person that rubs you wrong, God was worth that. God thought he was worth dying. If God thought they were worth dying for, then why are you ostracizing them for your own whatever pride, lust, whatever it might be? Anyway, I know I've got a lot of different tangents, but that's just a little bit of what I'd say. You have anything you want to come out? Yeah, I I love how Andrew uh, starts out with this new section about now that you're born again, what's next? Because it doesn't just stop there. It doesn't stop with you believing um, there's so much more. And there's no way that anyone who understands this would think that, that, that what's next is boredom or a boring life or anything. It's, it's very exciting and thrilling when you have that relationship with God. And, and I really uh, appreciate how Andrew and Dave uh, explain about baptism because it, it is something that is important. And no, it doesn't save you, but it, it is something that we do that's very symbolic. Um, and, I, and I encourage you to, to reread that section when you get a chance. A lot of uh, people might be confused about, well, am I too young or too whatever uh, to be baptized and I, I like how Dave said you you just need to believe you might not understand it all I mean I feel I mean I was baptized uh, in high school uh, I believed younger but I didn't like the light bulb didn't turn on about baptism and, until uh, I was a teenager um, but the the, the point being is, I mean, you could, if you're five years old and you understood that Christ died for you and rose again for you, uh, then by all means, you're ready yeah. to be baptized. That's uh, and, and if you're confused you know, I, about, well, what is it that I'm supposed to believe? Paul explains it very clearly in 1 Corinthians 15. I'll start off with... Um, I'll go ahead and start off with verse 1 and then go about to till verse 4. But he says, Moreover, moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved. And if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, 
and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's it in a nutshell, and it, that nutshell is so deep and meaningful and, and life-giving that, that that's where you start. That's what you believe, and then, like Andrew says, now that you're born again, then what? We had, um, I want to say this was about 17 years ago, we were at a church, and there was a couple uh, who we were friends with, and their daughter um, was dealing with uh, Down syndrome, I believe it was, and the parents were very concerned and heartbroken that they thought she would never come to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And they just struggled with this. And one day she came to them and she said, I want to be baptized. And this shocked them because first of all, they were never expecting anything out of her mouth like that. But they, they then said, why do you want to be baptized? What I'm, and they're trying to like get over their shock, but ask because to be baptized, you need to believe in, in Jesus Christ and what Paul just shared in Corinthians that he died, he was buried, and he, and he rose again. And she, in her childlike mind, said, Jesus died for me, I believe it, I want to be baptized. And so they went to the pastor, he sat down with her. He asked her some simple questions, and she, same thing. Jesus died for me. I believe it. I want to be baptized. And, I mean, God's grace is so wonderful, but that's all you need to do uh, to believe and be saved. Yep, yep, yep. That's simple. And, and let me just add, some people have waited too long. But don't let that stop you. You know, if you're listening, I don't care when you might even listen to this video. You want to be baptized, I want to be baptized, just call me up, we'll do it. You know, locally, with the, you know, within the means. I don't, you know, I'm not going to another country right now. So just, um, you have to find a pastor or whatnot there. But at the same point in time, you know, if we're not, our obedience doesn't save us. But if Jesus tells us to be baptized, why wait? Why would you not want to do something that Jesus told you to do? It's, he doesn't. He got, has Jesus ever told you to do something that's not for your own good? And, and it's not just for you. Other people get to witness the baptism. And that is powerful. And so don't deprive other people. Maybe your family needs to see you baptized. Maybe you're in a situation where you've been threatened. Because some countries, you you could be threatened to be killed when being baptized, you know, uh, you know, and, and so therefore uh, that's another another issue. But at the same point in time, Jesus is your Lord, and uh, use wisdom and how maybe that might uh, be implemented. But you know, uh, that's just a choice you will have to make. And so, uh, but anyway, there's no there's, there's no reason to wait, you know. And so uh, uh, anyway. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, uh, continue reading the sign of salvation. Although water baptism is an important first step, I'm, I'm sorry to, to uh, stop, stop and not read. Uh, if you go on our website, um, Dave 
we'll have to tell you exactly where it is because I forget. Um, but there is something to read further about water baptism. Um, Andrew Womack also has a, a, a teaching, a pamphlet uh, also. Actually, what's on our website is Andrew's is, pamphlet. Is Andrew's. Okay, so if you go on our website. Go under, if you go under resources under core teachings, we have our, uh, we have them there. And here, if you're here live, we have a, we can give you a brochure. Yes. So just, and to encourage you, if you still have questions and you want to read further, just specifically about water baptism, that's a good resource for you. Um, and, and also reach out if you have questions too. So although water baptism is an important first step in the Christian life, it's not required for salvation. Those who teach that water baptism is necessary to obtain your salvation are basing this on a misinterpretation of Acts 2.38, which says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Some say this proves you must repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. The key to understanding this word is the word for, F-O-R. For often means in order to obtain, but can also mean as a result of, because of, or since. This says, this verse says to repent, which means to put your faith in the Lord and then to prove your faith in him as a result of being born again, because you've been born again, since you've been born again, by being water baptized. Those who believe that water baptism is required for salvation also teach that you must live in a system of religious works whereby you earn salvation by personal holiness. This is contrary to what the Word of God teaches. Water baptized water baptism is a sign of salvation in acts 10 god told cornelius through an angel to send for peter and joppa when peter came to caesarea and began preaching to this man's entire household they all received the baptism in the holy spirit spoke in tongues and prophesied in light of this peter asked can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized acts 10:47. In other words, they were born again, had received the Holy Spirit, and then were baptized in water. Acts 10, 44-48. Water baptism symbolized the salvation they had already received. Okay, thank you. We'll stop there just for a moment, and then we have one more section before the chapter ends. So, you know, again, salvation is a sign, you know, um... You know, a lot of people get hung up on this Acts uh, 2.28, I think it is. Uh, you know, uh, repent. Uh, let me read it again. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Again, that word, uh, Andrew brings out this word for, has a couple different meanings. And if you, re if you study this out in the Greek... That's where the English language can actually do us some harm. But the English lang language can also interpret this word for to be because of, or a result of, a sense. So if you read this correctly from the Greek, uh, it would be baptized of one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus for, or as a result of, or because of, since the remission of sins. 
and ye shall receive the Holy Ghost. The the you know, and again the word repent means the change metatonia means to change your mind. Repent and believe on Jesus. Change from believing on yourself or whatever you're believing in and repent and believe on Jesus. Repent also means to turn around. But you can't turn around if you don't first change your mind. You have to change your mind and then you, you can turn around. But if you're trying to turn around without receiving Jesus, without receiving Jesus, what good is repentance? What good is changing your behavior if you're not still not saved? Repent. Believe on Jesus. And, and be baptized because you... For the, and as a result of the remission of sins. Again, baptismo, to be baptized is to be, it symbolizes to be crucified with Christ, to be buried with him in baptism, and be raised together with him in newness of life. There's a remission, there's a remission of sins that takes place when we heard the gospel, believe the gospel, we're saved. When we heard the gospel and we're saved, our sins were remitted. And so uh, there was a re remission of those sins. And uh, baptism just symbolizes that. There was a washing away. There was a remission of those sins. And so it's, you don't get baptized for your sins to be remitted, but you get baptized because they are remitted. And then we have the story of Cornelius, which is just one example in, 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 uh, in the book of Acts. This, this one's a little unique that they got the baptism of the Holy Spirit before they were water baptized. And that, that can happen. And so, and we'll deal with that a little more clearly when we get into the second half of this book when we talk about the Holy Spirit. Uh, but the normal is that they, or they, they get water baptized before they get baptized with the Holy Spirit. Two different baptisms, and we'll explain that a little bit more further down in our, in our study. But, uh, but, and just and, and and with Peter it was a little challenge because up to that point they didn't think that salvation belonged to the, the Gentiles yet. And up to this point it was all Jews, but now God through an angel and through different circumstances was now opening salvation to the Gentiles as well. Which I'm thankful because I'm a Gentile. You're a Gentile. And most of us are Gentiles. Most of you watching are Gentiles. So it, it, you know, and so it was a little different. It was it was it was a it was a uh, an eye opener for for Peter and then also the the, the 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 apostles. They didn't understand that yet. God even had to give me, uh, Peter a dream three times, uh, a vision three times before he even had a, even received Cornelius's invitation to come. Uh, but you know. God put his, and I believe that situation was a little unique too, because God was putting his stamp of approval on this. You know, God baptized him with the Holy Spirit. Peter hadn't even talked about the Holy Spirit yet, and they were already speaking in tongues. <laughs> he wasn't even talking about it yet, and they were speaking in tongues. Uh, and so they heard the gospel belief, and, and that was just God's uh, stamp of approval uh, on uh, their salvation. And so there was no, there was evidence and it was the evidence of speaking tongues. And so uh, Peter's like, why forbid them to be baptized? If you've heard the gospel, believe the gospel, you can't get baptized with the Holy Spirit without first being born again. You can't. It won't happen. So uh, so 
if you hear the gospel, believe the gospel, Sherry gave an example, well, you know, if a five-year-old hears the gospel, believes the gospel, if someone who has Down syndrome hears the gospel and believes the gospel, there is no reason why you have to forbid them from being water baptized. If they understand it, they can be, if they understand it, they're already born again. <laughs> and you can't stop someone from being born again. You have, hey, there's nothing you can do to keep them from being born again. So, so why forbid someone to be water baptized when they're already born again? There, 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 there would be no sense of that. And so, I, it's, a, it's a time of celebration. It's time to, 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 to be baptized for, because as we tell them, their sins being remitted. And so, so I'm glad Andrew brings this out, you know, because some people get hung up on that, and that's been a major doctrine in some churches. And so, um, and so, and those who believe that, People who believe that sometimes also believe that you can only be saved by your own works, or you can only maintain your salvation by your own works, and that's antichrist. That's, that's antichristo. Antichrist means I cancel instead of Christ. You can't be saved by your own works. You can't maintain your salvation by your own works. In other words, by saying that, you're saying uh, your works are better than the blood of Jesus. <laughs> uh, you're saying that you don't need Christ, and that's wrong. Uh, you can, you're not saved by your own works. You know, uh, you can't save anything. Uh, only the blood of Jesus can save you. And so, uh, now are we are we promoting good works? Absolutely. But we're promoting good works as a result of being born again, not the source of you being born again. It's from a heart of gratitude to what Jesus has done for you. You are... You should be so overwhelmed by the magnitude of what Jesus took on himself for you that it's that overflow of thankfulness. God, you did this for me, then I wouldn't do it for your people. Anything else, Martha? Yeah, I don't know if this is a side note, what note, or if anyone just needs to hear this, but it doesn't, it does not matter what body of water you get baptized in. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if it's a pool, the ocean, a spa, a creek, a river, and it does not have to be a specific river like the River Jordan. There's nothing spiritual about the water at all. Yeah, you're not going to find any of that. Those who believe that, you're not going to find, you have no scripture to support that with. And it's just, it's just a myth. Anyway, let's read this last section for this chapter, uh, Holy Spirit Baptism. We'll talk about Holy Spirit Baptism more in depth in the second half of this book. But let's see what Andrew has to say right here. Once you are born again and water baptized, your very next step should be to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. John twenty twenty two. God doesn't intend for you to live for him on your own. He wants to live through you by the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heaven was opened. And the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee I am well pleased. Luke three twenty one and 22. The Spirit of the Lord is 
upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Luke 4, 18 and 19. If the Son of God himself needed the Holy Spirit, how much more do we? The gift of the Holy Spirit comes to all who ask in faith. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Luke eleven ten through 13 Your heavenly Father knows how to give you good gifts. Ask him in faith, and you'll receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit too. Both the Holy Spirit and water baptisms are clearly commanded in the scriptures. The Lord will lead you into these two acts of faith and obedience as soon as you are born again. Both actions release tremendous benefits into your spiritual life. For more information, uh, we'll go into uh, more of the baptism in the Holy Spirit in the second half of this book. Okay, so this is a kind of an introduction of what we're going to get to pretty soon here uh, in a couple of weeks here when we get to the second half of the book. But once you, again, just like water baptism, in one sense, once you are born again, you are now a candidate to receive the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And some people we've we've met, we've we've led to the Lord have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit instantly. I mean, there was barely any teaching, if any teaching at all. Uh, some people it's been a little harder not to receive the Holy Spirit. I don't believe because um, I believe it's just as easy as receiving salvation. But with the evidence of speaking in tongues, sometimes there's and some and some laser and some coaching with that and some assistant needed, uh, but um, we'll get into some of that in more detail a little bit later. But once you are born again, then you then you should receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The bat the Holy Spirit will help you live this life. You know, we are not you know picking back on something I just said a minute ago based on what Andrew wrote, but. We are, we're talking about good works, and good works are the fruit, are the results of being born again. Not We don't get saved because we do good works. But this Christian life is almost impossible to live without the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. And we want the Holy Spirit also, and we'll get into it too in the second half of the book. There's gifts, and there's power. The greatest power of all is being born again. Nothing, nothing trumps that. And the greatest power of using any of the gifts is to lead someone else to Christ. The gifts are used to edify the body of Christ. They're not used as uh, stripes on your shoulder like a sergeant or, or, or bars that they think they would have to um, what they've accomplished. It's not so you can look good. It's so that you can demonstrate the power of God, the presence of God, and the Spirit of God. Uh, and then we'll get into a lot of that a little bit later. But the Holy Spirit will is, is, is what helps you to live this Christian life. He's your guide. He's your helper. He's your counselor. 
Jesus said, well, if I go, the Holy Spirit will come. We, you know, we are, we, a, lot, a lot of us think we li- wish we lived in the days when Jesus walked the earth. And don't get me wrong, I think that would have been awesome. I think it would be awesome. And one day we will see Jesus face to face. But Jesus hinted in John 13, 14, 15, and 16. He hinted that receiving the Holy Spirit was more powerful. No other age from Adam till now has ever had the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We have two things. Jesus said, greater work shall you do than these because I go to the Father. Why did Jesus go to the Father? Because Jesus was, and this was right before Jesus was going to go to the cross. This is John 14. Jesus goes to the cross around John 18. Why was he going to go to the cross? He's going to the cross because he finished the work. I mean, I mean, sorry. He went, he went to the cross and died for sin. But he's going to the Father because he's finished work. It says in Isaiah 55 verse 11 that his word will not return to him void. Jesus, the word of God, came to die and then when he came to die, he was going to return to the Father because God's word does not return to him but Jesus, the word, was going to return to the Father because he finished the work. And Jesus said, greater work shall you do than these because I go to the Father. When Jesus went to the Father, Jesus was going to go to the Father because he finished the work. What was the work? The, the salvation. At the same point in time, Jesus going to the Father also ushered in the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus was talking about in John 14, 15, and 16. And in this age that you and I live in, even in these last days, in these end time events that we're seeing, that we have the finished work of the cross, and we have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We have everything we need to reach our world and to live this Christian life in the power of the Holy Spirit. It goes on to say in Isaiah 61, and we'll get here in a little more depth too, that the Spirit of the Lord is upon us because He has anointed us to preach the gospel, to preach the good news, to heal the brokenhearted and set the captives free. The Holy Spirit will help you to heal the brokenhearted. The Holy Spirit will help you <coughs> set the captives free. There's many captives today. There's people who are captive by sin and addiction. There's people who are captive by depression and isolation. There's people who are captive by sicknesses and diseases of various kinds, both physical and emotional and psychological. There's people who need to be healed and set free from a lot of different things. You have the gospel. You have Christ, the fullness of God. It says in John 1, 16, of the fullness of him you have received grace for grace. When you know his love, you'll be filled with the very fullness of God, Ephesians 3, 19. And so, if you have the fullness of God, and you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you have the Word of God, you have the finished work of the cross, you have righteousness, which I was talking about on Sunday, you have everything you need to be a minister of the government. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3, 6, we are all ministers of the new covenant. I see all of you, if you're born again, you are minister. You are minister. You might not be a pastor per se. You might not be an evangelist or missionary or, or whatnot or one of the fivefold ministry. But the fivefold ministry is here to serve you so that you can do what God's called you to do in the ministry. My job is, that's my job, is to equip you to do the work in the ministry. Doesn't mean I don't do stuff too, but that's my job. 
And so uh, my job is not to do all the work. My job is to equip you to do the work and to do it with you. And so um, that's my job. And so uh, no matter what our position is in the church, we're here to edify one another. And so we need the Holy Spirit. And if we're going to reach this generation in this day, no matter how dark, no matter how, how, how lost they are, the Holy Spirit, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we need the Holy Spirit to help live this life. Now that we're born again, let's get baptized, and let's get baptized in water and in the Holy Spirit. You got something you want to add? No, I just like how Andrew left it with Jesus was water baptized and he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And if the Son of God himself did that, Amen. he's our biggest example uh, of, of anything, anybody. Uh, I mean, you can't get better than the Son of God being uh, your best example. We just before you think God, you know, the Holy uh, Jesus before he ever started his earthly ministry was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Jesus never started his ministry until he was water baptized and baptized in the Holy Spirit. And if Jesus couldn't minister without being baptized, who do you think you are to be baptized or to do ministry without being baptized? We we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We need the water baptism, and we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus needed it. He's our example. And so, he's the firstborn of many brethren. We are also brethren, or cistern. But brethren is an is a, is a, uh, inclusive term. But it's just, uh, if Jesus, our, our brethren, our brother in Christ, is baptized with the Holy Spirit, we need to be baptized too. And I also like it, and Andrew only briefly did it, but all we need to do is ask. If you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, all you need to do is ask and believe. And that part, like Dave said, is instantaneous. God doesn't hold back. You say, Lord, please, I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I, I need the Holy Spirit. And, I mean, you just believe and receive. Done deal. Amen, amen. Well, I think we're going to uh, leave it right there because we just finished chapter 4. And then we'll pick it up next week with chapter 5, uh, Build a Sure Foundation. And so uh, we'll, we'll find in these next couple chapters we might pick up steam a little bit. Uh, they're easy, but they're profound too. So uh, I don't want to go too fast. Um, but we'll talk about building a sure foundation. And so... Um, and if you have any questions about tonight's study or any of the studies, please feel free to reach out. Uh, go on our website, like I said earlier. Um, at org. And look at the core teachings, which go more in-depth for water baptism, uh, baptism in the Holy Spirit. You know, reach out via the website or messenger, however, uh, to ask us questions or for prayer. Because um, we, we want to help you live out this Christian life. Amen. Amen. And that's kind of our job too as pastors to help you live out the Christian life. And the Holy Spirit is our helper. The body of Christ is our helper. Pastors and teachers and the Bible ministries are our helper. We have a lot of help. Don't try to do it alone. And God didn't call us to be Lone Rangers. And even Lone Ranger had Tonto. So uh, even Batman had Robin. So uh, God never, God, I mean, when God sent him out to minister, he always sent him out by twos. 
God never told us to do this thing alone. We have the body of Christ. We have the pastors. We have the Holy Spirit. We have Him. And so, anyway, let me pray, pray us out. Lord, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for water baptism. We thank you for your wisdom in providing both of these things. We thank you for your grace and your mercy in giving us the gift of the Holy Spirit. Lord, where we might be hung up on some doctrinal issues or whatnot, or just not understanding it, I pray that you, by your Holy Spirit, would bring those things to clarity and remembrance. Lord, we worship you. We magnify you. I speak a blessing over every household that's here. We just say, uh, thank you for your healing power. We thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I, I, we pray for our country. We thank you, Lord, that we are one nation under God. We thank you that in God we trust. And we, we thank you for our country. We thank you for our present. And we bless them in the name of Jesus. We thank you regarding this election, that you expose the truth. And we, we rebuke every lie that surrounded this country, the state, and the, the counties and cities where we live. In Jesus' name, we give you, you thanks for everything. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you on Sunday. Uh, our live stream will be at 11.15 a.m. And then 